0: For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
1: Tarawa Hills for a time. One night I was outside with my then-partner in the yard, which backed onto some hills. I was using a flashlight to point out star constellations in the sky when I heard a rustling noise. When I heard it, I shone my flashlight where I heard the noise coming from, and to our amazement, We saw a figure about seven to eight feet tall with light, creamy gray, shaggy fur. It was upright on two legs and had its front paws arms held upright, a bit like a kangaroo would. It had a face like a wolf, but I thought its snout was a bit longer. Its ears were like a wolf's too, and it had a longish tail, which was also covered in shaggy fur that curved up. The creature was sad to us so we couldn't see its eyes, teeth, or even see if the creature had seen us. It was walking quite slowly and disappeared into some trees. At that point, my partner went after it. He never found it, though. The sighting was approximately 30 feet away from me. I never saw it again, but to be honest, I didn't look too hard either as I was a bit freaked out. Last October, I was in California for roughly 11 days after my brother's wedding in San Diego. I just wanted to drive around the state and visit California places that had captured my imagination over the years. And I loved driving almost as much as I loved cars. I don't necessarily believe in Sasquatch, but I would never discount someone else's experience, especially if I wasn't there. So off I went. Clipper Mills is in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas, about 70 miles northeast of Sacramento. Very near that dam was in the danger of failing last year, pretty remote. So after Bodega Bay, I had to cross the state for my destination, arriving near Sacramento in time for a late dinner. So it's after dark when I set out on the final leg, very dark. It takes me a good while on all the twisty turning roads to find my way there. I wanted to get to the exact spot the person who posted the video parked that night. He wouldn't say in his video, so I poked around YouTube comment sections and related videos and found out more or less about this spot around 11 p.m. I pulled my rented Camry well off the dark two-lane road to avoid any issues with the very sparse traffic. I saw no one whatsoever, so I sat in the darkened interior, listening, allowing my eyes to dark a for about twenty minutes. I heard nothing but assorted insects as I sat there, saw nothing move at all. Eventually, not wanting to activate the car's interior lighting, I crawled out of the driver's side window into the black night, armed with my cell, with no service, a handheld GPS to find my way back should I get lost in the dark and a red flashlight I use with my telescope. I stand there, right by that car window, for a solid two minutes before I could screw up the courage to move away from my Camry. Eventually... I walk up the road, still not hearing anything but bug. Suddenly, without conscious decision to do so, I fear right and head up into the woods. My feet are crunching pine needles now, and to my mind I sound like Bigfoot stomping around myself. After what was about twenty minutes, I stop to listen, and added to the insects. I hear this faint screeching sound far off in the blackness, and it doesn't sound insect like at all. It has more consciousness to it. Then, now also thoroughly dark adapted, my mind is whispering that it sounds like a person in distress, or a large primate. I remain still. I hear something small scurrying around in the underbrush as well, followed a minute later by the same forlorn sounding wail, but now closer. Time to return to the car. As I'm walking back to the car, I hear this spooky sound every 20 to 30 seconds, and now it is coming from behind me and in front of me. It seems to have a vocabulary of some sort to me now. Different vocalizations, some guttural, some high-pitched, and everywhere in between. My mind is having fun just messing with me now. I was never so happy to see a camera in all my life. I started it up before my ass was in the seat. I think and half expected to see scores of red eyeballs glowing at me in the headlights from the dark forest in front of me. Now spooked, my mind telling me some homicidal axe-wielding lunatic was nipping at my heels, I went back the way I came at much quicker pace than I had arrived. Out of nowhere, right in front of me, this black lab runs out of the woods on one side of the road and into the woods on the other. I barely missed crushing him that scared the out of me right there. I slowed down a bit and the thought of nearly mowing down an innocent mutt overcoming my mind. Some hour down the road toward Sacramento is when I noticed I had cell service again. I opened my XPD app and found a nearby hotel for the night. Once safely enclosed in said hotel room, I began scouring the internet on my iPad and came to the conclusion that what i heard was a barred owl or a western screech owl can never be a hundred percent sure i suppose very creepy though and i'm done with wandering alone in the woods at night i think spring of 2020 early may i was bear hunting in a new area and hiking up a trail There had been some traffic from the week before that I could see. I had made it around a mile when I distinctly heard a little kid sobbing the word, Mom. I froze. It was barely first light, and there were no cars at the trailhead. First thought was a cat or something worse. I read far too much of this crap. I thought about leaving, but also thought, what if a kid and his mom went out and something happened? I called out several times, but no response. Must have been an animal, I thought. I continued working my way up the trail, chuckling at myself and thinking about how paranoid I am. I hadn't made it 50 yards when I heard it again, but louder. Mom, I immediately started walking towards the sound and yelling that I was on my way and to wave their arms, because I can't see them. I stopped after maybe another 50 yards to listen. I hadn't heard anything back in response. It has to be a cat. I decide to wait and watch for a while. About 30 minutes go by and nothing. I'm thinking about how I need to get going and how stupid I am. Following something around like that. Mom again. My blood ran cold. It was very close and it sounded just like a little kid. I yell again and slowly walk ahead. I put my back against a tree and listen. Maybe another half hour goes by. Then right above me, Mom, I dropped while pointing my rifle straight above me. I was shaking so bad. I can't see anything. I just keep looking, and then the slightest breeze comes through and again, Mom. It was a small tree leaning into the tree I had leaned against. Every time the wind blew, it would make the sound. My name is Detective Sarah, and I've always prided myself on being a dedicated and resourceful investigator, but nothing could have prepared me for the case that would consume my life and lead me down a path I never thought possible. It began with a series of murders, each one more gruesome than the last. The victims shared a horrifying commonality. Their bodies were found mutilated, bearing strange and enigmatic marks, it was as if they had fallen prey to something beyond human comprehension. I knew I had to delve deeper into this case to uncover the truth and bring justice to the fallen. As I delved into the dark underbelly of the investigation, a glimmer of understanding began to emerge. The evidence pointed me towards a hidden world, a world of cryptids creatures that were believed to exist only in myths and legends. I found myself standing at the crossroads of reality and the supernatural, torn between skepticism and an insatiable curiosity. Determined to uncover the truth, I sought out the expertise of a renowned cryptozoologist. Driven by a shared goal of discovering the unknown, we formed an unlikely alliance. Together we embarked on a journey that would lead us to the heart of darkness. Through tireless nights and endless research. We uncovered the shocking truth. A powerful and elusive creature lurked in the shadows, responsible for the heinous killings. It was a being that had managed to evade capture and remained hidden from the prying eyes of the world. Armed with newfound knowledge and a relentless pursuit of justice, I led our final raid on the creature's lair. Every step was laced with tension and anticipation, our hearts pounding in our chests. The stakes were high, and the lives of countless innocents depended on our success, but as we confronted the creature, we quickly realized its cunning and viciousness. It fought with an intensity that left us breathless, its strength far surpassing our expectations. We fought valiantly, driven by the weight of our purpose, but it was a battle we could not win. In a split second of desperation, I found myself face to face with the creature. In that moment, I made a choice. An act of sacrifice meant to buy my partner precious seconds. I stepped between them and the creature, ready to make the ultimate sacrifice to ensure their escape. The creature struck with a ferocity that defied comprehension. Pain seared through my body as I fought to hold on. To buy just a few more moments. But in the end, the creature's power overwhelmed me. Darkness claimed me, and the world faded away. When I awoke, it was to the sand of grief and despair. My partner stood before me, their eyes filled with a devastating mix of sorrow and gratitude. They had survived, but at a tremendous cost, the cost of my life. As I lay there, my spirit broken, but my resolve unwavering. I knew that I had done what I had set out to do. I had uncovered the truth, exposed the hidden world, and given my partner the chance to continue the fight. In the end, justice prevailed, but it came at the price of my own existence. I left this world knowing that I had made a difference, that I had fought for those who could not fight for themselves. Though my physical form was gone, my spirit would forever linger. A reminder that the pursuit of justice often requires sacrifices beyond measure. And so, Detective Sarah, forever etched in the annals of those who dared to tread the line between reality and myth, faded into the darkness, leaving behind a legacy of courage, determination, and an unyielding desire for truth. I had been a park ranger for nearly a decade, but I had never seen anything like this before. I was on my usual patrol route when I noticed strange tracks in the woods. They didn't match any known animal species, and they seemed to be leading to an area of the forest that was off-limits to the public. As I followed the tracks deeper into the woods, a sense of unease settled over me. Something didn't feel right. The forest was eerily silent, and I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. After a few hours of following the tracks, I stumbled upon a clearing. In the center of the clearing was a small abandoned building that looked like it hadn't been used in years. As I approached the building, I heard strange noises coming from inside. I slowly pushed open the door, and what I saw inside sent shivers down my spine. There were strange machines and equipment that I had never seen before, and in the center of the room was a large metallic cylinder. As I approached the cylinder, I noticed that it was covered in strange symbols and markings. Suddenly, the cylinder began to glow, and I was knocked back by a powerful force. When I came to, I knew that something had gone terribly wrong. I could hear strange whispers in my mind, and I knew that I had been exposed to something that I couldn't fully comprehend. Over the next few days, I began to notice changes in myself. My senses were heightened, and I could sense things that I couldn't explain. And then one night, I saw it. It was a creature unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was humanoid in shape, but its skin was mottled and gray, and its eyes glowed with an otherworldly light. It had razor-sharp claws and teeth, and I, I knew that it was the source of the strange tracks in the wood. I tried to catch it, but it was too fast. It tackled me, and I went flying into the woods. I tried to get back on my feet, but I was dizzy and disoriented. I knew that I was in grave danger, but I couldn't bring myself to leave the woods. As the days passed, I began to piece together what had happened. The government had been conducting secret experiments in the woods, and I had stumbled upon one of their failed experiments. The creature that I had encountered was the result of their twisted experiments. And now it was loose in the woods i knew that i had to stop it but i also knew that i couldn't do it alone i contacted the authorities but they dismissed my claims as the ramblings of a madman and so i remain in the woods a lone ranger battling a creature that shouldn't exist i don't know how long i can hold out but i do know that i won't give up until a creature is captured or destroyed So hey guys, this is a long story, kind of. I've lived at my current house in North Carolina for about three years. When I first moved in, I had all kinds of weird encounters at night. I would be outside burning off tree limbs and things like that. I always felt like something was watching me. After the first few nights, I heard what sounded like someone calling for help very muffled from the woods that surround my house. I shrugged it off. After a few times of that, I was walking the tree line and looking for more wood to throw on the fire. Keep in mind, this was about 1 to 2 a.m., and I had a thirty thirty cell thrown at me. I don't own a thirty thirty, so I thought it was very weird. Anyway, this goes on for a few months until my ex came in and we brought our kids in the house to live. My ex had chickens and a pig that got out of their enclosure and were killed. She threw the carcasses into the woods. I know. I don't know why she did that either. But after that, all the spooky stuff stopped. No more eerie feelings. No noises. Nothing. Now fast forward to last month. I've since gotten a new girlfriend and she takes our dogs out in the early a.m. Hours before she leaves for work. I leave the house at 4.15 a.m. So it's probably about 5.30 a.m. or so when she's out with him. Twice in the last two months she's seen what she described as something large and pale in the wood line. The first time was last month. It saw her and hurried off. This morning as she was walking the dogs, our large dog was barking like crazy and she saw this white creature again. She said it moved like it was scuttling, larger than a deer and on all fours, but almost like what a human looks like running on all fours. As soon as the dogs got a good look at it, they began trying to run back into the house. She and the dogs flew back inside and she got ready to leave for work. She didn't see anything else so far, but I'm just wondering what's up. What could we do? What does it sound like? All the other encounters have had and I never saw a physical form, only noises and eerie feelings. According to her, this thing has moved closer to the house up the wood line. I'm just kinda lost. I doubt shooting at it would help. Any advice or theories would be welcome. I work in the Air Force as an aircraft mechanic, and like most jobs, there are boring second duties that we have to do now and then. For us, one of these is tool stores. We have a permanent civilian guy who runs tool stores in the day, but someone has to be in there to run it during night shift. The tool stores building is in the middle of the airfield and pretty far away from the other hangars, enough distance to feel pretty isolated. As a new guy, I was told that the tool stores building on our squadron was haunted. I thought it was the usual crap that people would tell the new guy, so I dismissed it. I'd done a fair few tool stores duty while I was new. You don't really have much use until you're trained up, so they stick you in tool stores and never had any issues. Eight months into my posting at this particular squadron, I found myself in tool stores again. We were night flying on this night in question, so nobody needed tools, which meant it definitely wasn't busy and I hadn't seen anyone in over an hour. It was getting on to about midnight, and usually we're trying to lock up by 1.30. However, when we're night flying, the aircraft don't land until midnight, and therefore we have to stay open longer in case they return broken. Suddenly I heard metal creaking. It's an old building with a ground floor and a first floor. The first floor is basically just metal staging, and you can see down to the ground from the first floor over a balcony-like structure. Although there are two floors, you can see pretty well upstairs from the ground, and vice versa. Metal creaking wasn't unusual. The temperature was dropping so it wasn't anything out of the ordinary, but not seeing or talking to anyone for a while just seemed to make it a lot more noticeable. Half an hour passed, and I heard what sounded like metal dropping onto metal. There are lots of metal shelves, however, the floor was rubber-studded. Anything that dropped off the shelf wouldn't have made much noise unless it was sizable and then it would be a dull thud. This was a distinct metal on metal sound. It creeped me out because I was in the office watching TV and it was clearly audible above that, so it wasn't quiet. I reluctantly take a slow walk around and make sure nothing is fallen.
0: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. Right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: Control is quite important, and if there's a tool missing, at the end of the night, everything grinds to a halt, and we have to search high and low until it's found. Nobody would be going home if we lost something. I decided it would be better to find something on the floor now than to wait until later and realize something wasn't where it should be i strolled slowly checking every tool making sure everything that wasn't there was tagged out correctly or had paperwork stating where it was i saw nothing out of place i had a look upstairs although i knew the noise hadn't come from up there again nothing At this point I find myself slightly on edge. The thought had played on my mind that it may have been some of the other guys winding me up. Usually we told the tool stores ghost story to new people, and then when they found themselves on duty in tool stores, we used to mess around and silently come in through a little hatch in the back of the building. You guys didn't know it was there, so you could get in undetected and let the fun begin. I'd been on the squadron for a while, and by this point I was the one playing these jokes by now. It didn't make much sense for anyone to be playing them on me. I took a seat back in the office and continued watching crappy midnight TV, just praying. The jets would all come down serviceable so I could get out of there. No more than five minutes later, I hear footsteps. Finally, someone actually needs something, I thought. I went out to see what they wanted. No one was there. I checked outside the front door in case they were bringing something back and needed help unloading it from the van, but there was nothing there. I was losing my shit by this point. I turned around to head back inside and I saw wet footprints on the floor. It was wet outside, but my boots were dry since I hadn't been out all night until just now. Nobody was in tool stores when I walked to the door and nobody could have gotten past me to get inside while I was outside. I have never before believed in things being haunted or any kind of paranormal activity, but if something was trying to convince me that I should be, they did a sure good job. I've had a few experiences. One in particular literally raised the hair in my neck and arms. I love going out to remote areas. I used to travel pretty deep into the mountains and stay in an off-grid cabin in Tennessee. When I was there, I never saw another human, and when I say drive, I needed four-wheel drive to get there. The road was more of a path than a road and a rain destroyed parts of it. The cabin had a small solar panel for a couple of small interior lights at night. It didn't support enough power to stay on, so I used candles and oil lamps when I was inside, and moonlight was the best, on nights that the sky was clear. I had an outhouse and always tried to be sure to visit it foe the last time before it got too late. i had seen coyotes herd mountain lions in heat, which will creep you out on its own, and seen bear scat. With that much going on, I really tried to use the bathroom for the last time each night before full darkness hit. One night in particular, I had the unfortunate experience of a full-on angry abdomen IBS attack and desperately had to get to that outhouse at 11 p.m. or so. It was very dark and the sky was overcast. The trees blocked any minor moonlight coming through the clouds. I had an old flashlight I left there, and I guess humidity got to it. It went out halfway to the outhouse, which was about 25 feet from the cabin. I already felt stalked with the light on, but didn't see anything around me when the flashlight was on. I figured I was creeping myself out. Then the light went out halfway, and I felt so exposed. Again, I kept thinking I was just freaking myself out. I'm not a person who freaks out easily or gets scared easily. I have been through a lot in life, so it was really odd to have the sense I was being stalked. I really, really had to get to the outhouse. My stomach was not happy. I rushed to the door, fully focused on getting some relief, and as I grabbed the handle in the dark, I heard dry branches on the ground crack as something stepped on them. I smelled the mist foul smell I have ever smelled. I have pulled dead rotting possum corpses out from under homes and smelled some major nastiness in my life. This smell, this made the hair in my neck stand up. I really had to deal with my stomach. The stupid flashlight would not come back on. I finally had some relief from my stomach and no new sounds had occurred while I was in the outhouse. I waited and listened and I heard nothing. My plan was to go slowly and confidently to the cabin. I had no idea what I was dealing with, but I was convinced showing fear would only get me attacked and, or dead, if I was creeping myself out. As soon as I opened the outhouse door, that foul smell was there and stronger. I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. It was pitch dark out. I counted my steps and kept moving toward the cabin and let my breathing calm, and you feel like something was right behind me. The smell was so intense it made me feel sick. I just kept going. I was nearly to the house and I felt the back of my hair move like someone or something swatted at it. I finally rounded the corner of the cabin and climbed the stairs. I got inside that cabin as fast as possible. I was beyond scared. Every single hair on my arms and neck were standing up. I looked out the only window I had and could swear I saw orange eyes, glowing in the dark, staring back at me. I thought I was letting the fear and my being so tired play tricks on my eyes. I rubbed my eyes and looked again. They were still there. They were really, really high up, I thought as that something in a tree. It would have been seven or eight feet tall if it was standing. Trying to make sense of it, I convinced myself it was something in a tree. The next morning, I went for a walk and go in a huge and very weird three-toed footprint in some mud near the outhouse. To get to the deer stand, I set in. I have to walk through a small path in the woods from the drive I park on and then turn onto the field edge lining the woods. I walk the field probably 100 yards or so before I turn back into the woods and walk in probably 40 yards to the stand. As I turned onto the field, I hear steps just inside the woods. Definitely something with four legs. Pitch black, so turn on my headlamp and look. Don't see a thing. Thinking my head is playing tricks on me. Start walking again, and whatever it is starts walking as well. Step for step. Stop look again. Nothing. This went on for about 50 yards, and then it stopped. I kept going to my stand, not looking back, but kept a hand on my sidearm. Was bow hunting at the time. Didn't hear it again. Sat all morning and saw nothing. Went in for some lunch and it started snowing around that time. Came back out around three and as I start walking through the path to the field I notice there are bear tracks along the path and then veer off into the woods. Not sure if it was the bear pacing me or what, but definitely made my walk out of my stand uneasy that evening after dark. We do have some wolves in the area, but they are rare sight. That's always in the back of my mind. Just remembered this one. About 15 years ago, I was at a buddy's place, and he has a friend over. He starts telling me what a great bow hunter his friend is, and we start talking hunting. A few beers later, he tells us about a strange... Thing once that scared him so bad, he ran off and left his bow and swore he'd never go back in there. Now my friend and I start giving him a hard time and he starts to get angry, telling us it was translucent and had glowing eyes and was about eight feet tall. He was obviously dead serious and my friend and I, being normal guys, proceeded to make fun of him. About six months later, this guy died suddenly of a brain aneurysm he didn't know he had. Someone told me when people have a brain aneurysm, they sometimes hallucinate and see things that are totally real to them. We felt pretty bad after we found out. So this is a story my dad recently told me about my grandpa, his dad, and my great grandpa. My grandpa grew up in very rural southern Indiana, but moved to very rural southern Illinois in his youth, so this takes place in Illinois. One night, grandpa and his dad were hanging out at his uncle's, who lived a couple of miles away. Keep in mind, this is the 40s out in the country, so all roads are just dirt, basically. Anyway, it was pretty late, so they decided to head home and hopped into their old car, going probably about 15 miles per hour through these woods roads. At some point, as they're just driving and talking, they passed something along the edge of the road, standing upright. They both hunted and were very familiar with any animals or other local people that may be around. Neither one of them really said anything for a minute. And then they both looked at each other and said, what the hell was that? My grandpa asked his dad, you want to turn around? And he said, no. And they kept driving. My grandpa said it resembled a big owl or small person just standing in the ditch. I was on a camping trip with my sixth grade class. The teacher, Steve Campbell, brought a group from our class up to the Williamson River for a trip to reward the students who had few or or no disciplinary problems for the year. We drove up Highway 97 and about one, two miles past the Collier State Park, we turned onto a dirt road. We continued down it for a while, stopped, and parked the trucks. We hiked up a trail with our backpacks for about one-half miles. We came to the camp spot across the Williamson from a large rock face jutting from the hillside. We set up our tents about 100-200 yards away from the river. Myself and two other guys were in one tent and the girls in the other. We were about asleep and contemplating scaring the girls when we noticed all of the bugs and animals around went dead silent followed by a terrible stench, like rotting flesh. Then came the breaking branches, footsteps, and grunts. I looked out the door of the tent to see if it was the girls harassing us. Flashlight pointed out. I looked, and to my horror, I saw three tall, dark figures with glowing yellow eyes. They were about nine feet tall, hairy, and hideous. I love gorillas, and I can tell you for a fact that it was no gorilla. They looked human in the face and in posture. When I looked into their eyes, I felt like death had come for me. I couldn't move, and I was cold all over. I dove back into the tent, and we heard them howl. It sounded like a mixture of a wolf crying and a woman screaming. A few minutes later, we heard and felt something hit the tent, as if they had thrown a tree branch at it. When we got up, The branches on trees around us were snapped, and there were branches littered around our campsite. Since then, I have completely avoided the Williamson River area. I do plan to go back, however, to try to capture them on film, sound recording, and hopefully find more evidence to support what I know I saw. When I was a young man, I often used to go out in the mountains over there, pointing out of the window in their direction, to fish for trout or to hunt. And it was in January, on a cold, dry day, while carrying my gun that I had a friend with me. As we were walking around Benbulbin, saw one of the gentry for the first time. I knew who it was, for I had heard the gentry described ever since I could remember and this one was dressed in blue with a headdress adorned with what seemed to be frills. When he came up to us, he said to me in a sweet and silvery voice, The seldomer you come to this mountain, the better. A young lady here wants to take you away. Then he told us not to fire off our guns because the gentry disliked being disturbed by the noise, and he seemed to be like a soldier of the gentry on guard. As we were leaving the mountains, he told us not to look back, and we didn't. Another time, I was alone trout fishing in nearly the same region when I heard a voice say, It is barefooted in fishing. Then there came a whistle like music, and a noise like the beating of a drum, and soon one of the gentry came and talked with me for half an hour. He said, Your mother will die in eleven months, and did not let her die, you know, As he was going away, he warned me, "'You must be in the house before sunset. Do not delay. Do not delay. They can do nothing to you until I get back in the castle,' as I found out afterwards he was going to take me, but hesitated because he did not want to leave my mother alone. After these warnings, I was always afraid to go to the mountains, but lately I have been told I could go if I took a friend with me, I was driving home to Bend near Sunset, just south of La Pine on Highway 97 on November 5th, 1996, when a hawk was flushed from the tree line ahead on my right. It flapped vigorously, headed southward, directly toward my car, crossed over it, and kept going. It was not gliding, it was accelerating. Seconds later I saw a tall, rangy figure suddenly emerge from the cover of the tree line. "'about 150 feet ahead on my right "'and stride determinedly toward the road "'across a grassy fringe. "'As I slowed and closed the distance to within 50 feet, "'the figure with no hesitation, "'stopping neither to look in the direction "'of my approaching car, "'nor to gauge the speed and distance, "'glided across the two lanes in four strides "'and kept going directly into the cover of the pine. "'On the other side of the road,' I asked my wife if she had seen the person crossing the road. I wanted her opinion of what had transpired before expressing my own suspicions. Unfortunately, she said no, that she had been trying to follow the flight of the hawk behind the car. On immediate reflection, I realized I had seen something unusual, but could not say what exactly I had seen. Nor can I say now what it was, but if it was a human being, it was a strange one. The figure seemed not just tall, but very tall. I would estimate close to six feet eight to seven feet tall. Based the figure's height relative to roof of my car. The length of stride required to cross the road in just four strides would be quite large. Its actions did not seem typically human. It did not wait for its chance to cross at the roadside. It waited hidden in the tree line. When its chance came, it never slowed until hidden in the pines on the other side of the road. It didn't even turn toward me, though its efforts indicated it was aware of and concerned by our car's approach. It didn't run or jog as a human might who is caught crossing the road in front of an approaching car. Its step was a well-articulated, almost thoughtful, full-heel-to-toe stride with a vigorous push-off it moved briskly with a long swinging arc of the arms a slightly stiff body lean with the head and trunk bent forward from the waist the head was not bent at the neck I saw no neck the whole upper torso was bent from the waist I have thought about the clothing during the brief seconds I had seen the figure the clothing appeared to be completely and uniformly dark top to bottom without distinguishing characteristics I could not identify the articles of clothing, jacket, jeans, boots, gloves, etc., with one exception. The one article of clothing that I might have noted was perhaps a peaked lumberjack's cap with a fuzzy tassel. On reflection, I wonder if it might instead have been the often reported pointed head or skull. I had been a park ranger for over a decade and I thought I had seen it all. One day I was called to investigate a series of strange disappearances in a national park. At first I thought it was just a case of lost hikers or campers who had wandered off the beaten path. But as I dug deeper I realized that something far more evil was happening. The disappearances all seemed to be connected, with each victim vanishing without a trace in the same area of the park. But what was even more bizarre was that there was no sign of a struggle or any evidence of foul play. I knew that I had to follow every lead, no matter how small, if I was going to get to the bottom of this mystery. And as I dug deeper, I began to uncover a web of lies and deceit that went far beyond what I could have ever imagined. It all started when I stumbled upon a secret government facility hidden deep in the woods. At first, I thought it was just a research station or a wildlife monitoring outpost. But as I got closer, I realized that something far more dark was going on. The facility was involved in genetic experimentation, using animals from the park as test subjects. They were creating hybrid creatures, blending the DNA of different species in a twisted attempt to create the ultimate predator. I was horrified by what I saw, and I knew that I had to expose this atrocity to the world. But before I could do anything, I was ambushed by a group of armed men who whisked me away to an unknown location. For days I was held captive, interrogated, and threatened. They wanted to know everything I had discovered, and they made it clear that if I didn't keep quiet, I would suffer the same fate as the missing campers and hikers. But I refused to be silenced. I knew that what they were doing was wrong and I was determined to fight back. I failed. The next day when a new park ranger arrived, he seemed completely unaware of the disappearances or the government facility in a last park ranger. It was as if he had never existed, as if he had been erased from history.